Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week... Well, normally every week we're joined by a brand new martial artist talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. This week, my guest is actually not a martial artist. He's an independent self-published author based out of Columbus, Ohio, an avid sci-fi fan, as well as a true crime and mystery aficionado. He's married, has two children, and because he's not actually a martial artist, you're probably wondering, what's he doing on the show? Well, his latest book is called Quest for the Dragon Star, an oral history of WMAC Masters, which if anyone's listened on my show, you've heard me talk about WMAC Masters before. It's a, it's a behind-the-scenes story of the legendary 90s martial arts television show told by the athletes who lived it. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. Chris Landis. How are you doing today? sir i'm doing quite well thanks so much for having me and for kind of breaking format here to talk to me i really appreciate it i figure hey if anyone can break the rules i suppose the host can so right <laughs> cool well first just a little about you talk about where you grew up and, and how you got into writing because that's one thing that's I, i've always loved writing and i, I do some very minimal I, like some online review stuff for a couple websites but creative writing was one of my favorite high school classes and i and i kind of wish i would have pursued it so just talk about that like wh where you grew up and, and how you got into writing yeah well uh i was born in indianapolis indiana but i've lived in columbus ohio uh here since i was four so i grew up here um as far as how i got into writing it was just i was always an avid reader like from a very very young age and as I got older and went through, you know, elementary school, middle school, and the high school, it just reading and writing was always just kind of the thing that I did. And I had a very encouraging teacher my sophomore year of high school who was like, hey, you should, you know, try to pursue this. And I didn't, I didn't think that there were was an outlet, I should say, for the type of things I was interested in, because every, every, you know, kind of weird teenager thinks that their stuff is super unique. But right. um, this teacher recommended me some books, and they had me check out uh, Neil Gaiman. He did the comic graphic novel series Sandman. He did the oh. wonderful novel American Gods. And those kind of opened up my eyes to the fact that, oh, there's this whole other kind of world out there it's not all john grisham novels or star wars books there's mm -hmm. you know i love star wars don't get me wrong but you know the stuff i wanted to write was i didn't think i had a chance of being published by star wars let's put it that way right um so i it, my eyes were open to that that fact that there was uh, in fact a limitless world of stuff people will read so from there i just kind of kept at it i kind of went through different phases of thinking, you know, maybe I'll be a screenwriter, maybe I'll do movies, maybe I'll do this, that, and the other. Uh, I've covered my local soccer team here, the Columbus Crew. I've done quite a bit of soccer coverage. I wrote a mystery novel, which unfortunately went kind of sideways um, with the publisher. And then I ended up doing this book because I 
the the story about the mystery novels really what what kind of spawned the WMAC book. I had my first mystery novel come out. It was on a brand new publisher. I was really excited. It was selling really well. I had a contract. Everything was legit. And then the publisher never honored any of his contracts with any of his authors or employees. And last I heard, he fled the country allegedly to avoid prosecution, allegedly covering my butt there. Uh Um, Okay. (laughs) But so, so I knew I, I wasn't emotionally ready to try to write and query and, you know, put out another novel, writing the novel. And then there's a whole nother year, two years of trying to get it to an agent and then a publisher. And it's just a very draining journey to go on. And I wasn't ready to do that again. So I I was watching YouTube on our, we have an Apple TV. I was watching YouTube with my son. He was one at the time. And I was just kind of surfing and uh, WMAC Masters popped up because of the algorithm. I don't, mm. I don't know why, but I was like, oh, I haven't watched this in a while, but I loved the show as a kid. And so I watched it and I ended up binging it because the little dude just laughs when the ninjas get hit, you know. <laughs> and, and at the end of it, I'm like, man, I wonder if anybody's ever, you know, written anything about the show because it ends on this cliffhanger. Right. And I was like, I wonder if anybody ever dug into what was supposed to happen. And Google said, no, no one's ever written anything about it. So I start thinking, I go, well, you know, I put out a novel now. I've got some journalism background. I got just enough juice here to look like I might be legitimate. Maybe somebody will talk to me, even though I had no idea what I was doing. I have no background in martial arts. And lo and behold, Chris Casamassa says yes. Herb Perez says yes. Isaac Florentine says yes. And everybody kind of started saying, you should talk to this person. Let me introduce you to that person. And before I really knew what I was doing, I was writing a book. And it just was a wild ride all all the way through. So I want to back up a little. You you said you did initially watch it as a kid. So was that one of the only martial arts-based shows you watched? Did you watch other martial arts-based TV shows? Was it something that interested you? Or what was it about this show? Yeah, yeah. I was a fan of Power Rangers was the first thing I, martial arts wise nice. I remember I was like in kindergarten or first grade I just remember very clearly like when it came on like the original run starting I just remember like what is this you know and I was a fan of pro wrestling my dad was a pro wrestling fan so that just kind of got passed on to me and so you know between Power Rangers and pro wrestling when WMAC Masters came out it was like oh this is like the best of both worlds somebody got peanut butter in my chocolate you know <laughs> so nice. so and I was like seven or eight years old when it came on so I'm literally the target demographic here mm-hmm. you know i did take one year of taekwondo inspired by oh. wmac masters okay. because her press my favorite i took one year of taekwondo but i was pulled out of it by my mom because i'm a type one diabetic and i had one low blood sugar episode at practice and uh was not allowed to go back because she was a, a little overprotective at the time okay so, i was actually so going to ask I, that if you ever considered trying it yourself so what do you, that one year what are some things you remember about doing that i remember it was a lot of fun I remember feeling really excited to be doing what I saw masters doing. Mm -hmm. Like I remember going like, Oh, I want to learn. I know now it's called, not a bond kick i know through the book i know that that was the kick herb always did the kind of spinning kick thing and i remember i really want to learn how to do that because he was always doing it and obviously i never got there in one year i remember i got up to orange belt i think because it went white yellow orange i think okay i could be wrong this was a long time ago i remember i broke a board twice i remember feeling really happy about that it worked twice nice i think once was a front kick and once was a side kick (laughs) i remember doing that 
And uh, I remember, I don't, I, this is actually bringing this to mind now as we talk, the the guy who ran the school, uh, Grandmaster Choi, Che, I don't remember how to pronounce it, I feel really bad, but uh, Herb Perez actually trained under him for a little bit, I found out much later, oh. but this guy was like legit, legit here in Columbus, and he had a son who's about my age, and this kid's obviously already a black belt, he's been doing it his whole life at this point, right. and I remember one time they put me in all the pads, and we're sparring, and you know, I'm like, oh crap, this is so cool, boom, I got <laughs> hit oh this is so fun and i remember i tried to kick at the same time he tried to kick and he fell over like a lead balloon i'm like oh god what did i do and apparently i got him in a pressure point and i'm just saying they're going oh god i'm gonna die oh no (laughs) (laughs) so i don't have any it was like real early on i had no idea so i remember that very very clearly and then i saw that kid he's now teaching his father's passed away unfortunately but the battle of columbus is put on by that martial arts school here in columbus every year and i went this year just to kind of check it out because the book i was you know finishing up the book and i just wanted to see what it was like and i got to meet him and i was like oh hey i i remember you i this nice. a long time ago now so did he remember that incident or didn't you tell him no not at all not <laughs> okay. at all no okay. no that's kind of cool though so do you think that's something you'll ever put your kids into you know, if they want to try it, absolutely. I, I'm I'm a big time soccer nerd, like I said. Mm-hmm. I, I told my wife they have to give me one year of soccer and if they <laughs> never want to do it again, they don't have to, and they can try anything else they want. But I get to coach soccer for one year. Nice. I get to be Ted Lasso one time. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's like me. So on the side I do sports PA announcing. I, I announce uh, announce for local college sports and some high school sports. And I had never been to a soccer game in my life, ever. Not even a kid's one. The first time I ever even watched a soccer game was when i announced a division one soccer game <laughs> so oh, fun. yeah yeah so i've done that now the last two years uh, for the north dakota state university bison women's soccer i'm their pa announcer i had never even gone to one they're like you want to announce i'm like i guess so <laughs> so it's kind of fun it's definitely an easy sport to announce because i've done that I've, yeah. you know, I've done mma i've done you know volleyball yeah. i've done basketball i've done you know baseball softball everything like that but soccer was definitely the easiest which was nice <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. All right. So fast forward back up again. You said you found it on YouTube, decided. So when you first thought of like writing about it, what was the initial idea you had for the book? And is that the route you ended up taking with the book or did that idea change? I really wasn't sure how many people, A, would be willing to talk to me mm-hmm. and B, remember enough to have anything interesting. So at first I was like, this might just be a blog article or maybe a series of blog articles if I can get two or three people. And I quickly realized, oh no, this is a book. And so very early on, at kind of at that point where I realized there was enough there, you know, when I realized there was enough there for something big, mm-hmm. um, not importance wise, although I do think now it's important, but at the time, I just remember going, this can't be a book about nerdy dude from Ohio who really loved this show. That's not the book anybody's interested in reading. That's not the book I'm interested in writing. I knew that I wanted to set the table, so to speak, for the people who lived this experience to tell the stories. I I knew I wanted to do an oral history. You know, there's, there's some really great oral history books. You know, there's a great one on SNL. There's a great one on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. And as I was having these interviews, I was like, that's the way to go. I want to kind of set the table kind of series guide style and and tell people this is what happened in the episode on screen if they're not watching it. But then really let the the martial artists and the the writers and the producers and the, the crew kind of do the good bits, you know, mm-hmm. tell the the funny stories, the behind the scenes stories, the the interesting stuff, because I, you know, as much as I love the show, 
no one cares that I love the show. But the interesting <laughs> stuff is, you know, uh, who was scared of falling off the big platform? Who didn't like their their character's outfit? You know, stuff like that. Okay. So then in your research, now, did you t- get to talk to, like, the creators of the show or mostly just I the did. people? Oh, you did. Okay. So I, obviously yeah. I, I want people to, to get your book and read it, and obviously I want to read it too. So I don't want to give all the stories away, but just it, can you talk a little bit about why the, why the show was created in the first place? Yeah. So these these series was created. Uh, it was done by four kids entertainment who would go on to do Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was the first the first show done as four kids. They had been another company before, and this was their kind of debut offering. The concept came from uh, a woman named Carlin West. She came up with the original concept. She shared the story with me. She said she was coming out of a dark time in her life, and uh, martial arts had helped her get through it. And she had always been a big proponent of. Uh, of children's television and wanting to do stories for children. And she went, well, there's, you know, the NFL, there's FIFA for international soccer. Why isn't there a world martial arts council, world martial arts federation, a world governing body of martial arts. And, you know, at the time UFC was in its infancy. So that wasn't even a thing people knew. And so she kind of came up with this idea and took it to Al Khan. Al Khan is the guy who brought Pokemon to America. Al Khan did Thundercats. Al Khan did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, so Al Khan was kind of, I, I don't want to say the money of the operation, but the money of the operation, you know, right. he was, he was the, the leader, El Presidente, so to speak. Um, and they brought in uh, Norman Grossfeld and Kathy uh, Pylan, uh, at the time it was Kathy Borland, but Kathy Pylan and those two, Kathy and Norman, they were the ones who were kind of the lead creatives from there. They put together the show Bible and they, they kind of fleshed out Carlin's original vision and original concept and came up with the battle zones and the characters and the tournament and the symbols and kind of the nuts and bolts of what made the show so great based on Carlin's vision and Carlin's concept. And, and they really worked together to bring that to life. Wow. That's really cool. What's funny is you talk about how you were the target audience and, and all these yeah. years I thought I was, and I was like 21 when it came out, <laughs> but I was also, well, I, that's the great thing though. You know, it, it really was a show that, that offered different things for different people because were you already involved in martial arts at the time? I assume, right? Yeah. Yeah. I started when I was 10. Yeah. So, so, so a martial artist who's 21 is going to get a lot of different appreciation for it than an eight year old kid who only knows power Rangers. You know, they had all those vignettes that were trying to teach life lessons through martial arts do what's right don't fight you know the whole you know the dare type stuff you know but someone like you who was in martial arts there's still a lot there because you can appreciate the skill and the technique and the craftsmanship so to speak of how these martial artists are putting together their katas putting together their fights because yeah it's obvious they're not actually laying into each other but the skill involved in those fights is still apparent you know to to anyone who's watched any sort of combat sport right you, you can see it and i think the main reason i was involved or, or interested in for me personally is because i used to go to the diamond nationals tournament every year and yeah. and, and watch i first went to cheer on some friends and then it just be we'd go back every year just because it was fun to watch they started hyping this up about a year before it came out at the tournament saying, Hey, these people you're seeing on stage, you're going to see them on TV soon. So, so, I mean, I was ready for it for a year when it finally came out. I'm like, hey, these are all guys I've met. These are guys I've cheered on. These are so, and for me, it was like, you know, these guys I've watched on stage and talked to and got autographs from were suddenly going to be on a TV show, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, 
the vast majority of the cast, I'd say probably like 80% of the cast roughly was headhunted to use their words from the Nazca circuit. You know, there were a few who came over from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, then Herb Perez and Lynette Love were Olympic Taekwondo artists. But, you know, the vast majority was pulled from that Nazca circuit. And uh, that's how they cast the show. They, the producers, Carlin and Norman and, and, uh, and Kathy, they literally, they just traveled across the country going to different tournaments. Uh, they brought on Pat Johnson of the Karate Kid fame and, you know, all mm-hmm. those wonderful movies. Uh, he was kind of their liaison, their intermediary with some of these fighters because obviously they all know him. He's a big name. So those, you know, Chris Casamassa, Richard Brand, and Ho Sung Pak, you know, all, all those guys and, and girls were, were all brought in because of how good they were on the circuit. It wasn't just happenstance that, oh, well, they were here, so we're going to hype them up. No, that's that's why they were picked for the show. Right. And even Herb Perez, I mean, I, I actually met him at NASCA events because he was, I think he oh, was, yeah. he was the, um, I don't want to say poster boy, but he was like, he was sponsored by, I believe, if I remember correctly, it was Century Martial Arts. He was like in a lot oh. of, a lot of their ads and stuff. So he'd actually be there hanging out at their table. So I first met Herb Perez in I think, 91 or 92 at the Diamond Nationals huh. in Minneapolis. I, I still have a, cool. an issue of Black Belt with his autograph on it. So. <laughs> That's really cool. He he told me that he didn't really know any of the Nazca circuit people before the show. So I guess I guess I presumed he wasn't at the tournament. So my apologies, uh, her press. Yeah, I know. Like I said, maybe you know, maybe he. I mean, he might have only been there just for that vendor and just just yeah. hanging out their table and not really paying attention to the tournament much, depending on what his obligations were. I suppose that's one thing I, yeah. I never really asked him about when I talked to him is why he. Other than that, why he was there. But that's, I'm assuming it's something to do with that. I'd love to talk to the creators of the show and and maybe you can answer this. Maybe you know something. I'm curious, any martial artists that they went after that they didn't get that maybe turned them down or didn't work out? So, uh, uh, there are, yes. The answer to that is yes. There are quite a few almost hits on the show. There's actually quite a bit about it in the book because oh, good, there were good. there were some big names. So, the most famous almost on the show was Tymok uh, of The Last Dragon oh, fame. Nice. Um, he appears briefly in season two because they filmed footage with him. There's actually a pilot episode of WMAC Masters called Quest for the Dragon Star. Tymok was going to be one of the main characters of the series. Wow. He was going to be one of the action figures. He was going to be one of the poster boys, so to speak. And then they got there to shoot the show, and it just didn't work out. Okay. I go into a lot of detail in the book and on, on the Patreon we have set up, because I actually was was lucky enough to get to see this unaired pilot. I had to sign an NDA. I could only write about it. I couldn't share it, blah, blah, blah. Right. But Tymok was one of the big names that, uh, that was, he was going to be central to their kind of plans. And okay. it just didn't work out, so to speak. You know, uh, people have different versions of the story, obviously. Right, obviously but yeah. <laughs> um, the, the other one I'll mention, because I know he's a pretty big name, is Benny the Jet. Uh, oh, Benny the Jet, your wow. yeah. uh, He was supposedly going to be on the show as well. He's listed in an early sales tape when they were trying to find partners to make and distribute the show. Mm-hmm. He's listed along with several others who I talk about in the book as a potential, uh, not a potential, but a forthcoming show member. I did not get to talk to him for the book. His agent uh, kind of turned me down. So so I didn't get his his uh, insight on into what could have been. But uh, according to this sales tape and according to the creators of the show, they cast a really wide net. They wanted people with name value either in like Hollywood martial arts movies or on the competitive circuit. So kind of both pedals of that there, Timok on one hand and Benny the Jet on the other hand. I would have to think they at one point tried to at least or at least consider uh, Ernie Reyes Jr., I mean, you know, if not, I'd be I, shocked. Uh, <laughs> I, I would 
I would be shocked if they didn't, but I will also say that several people I spoke to who were on the show, you know, uh, Carmichael, Simon, Larry Lamb, they, they worked with him on things like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, things like that. You know, I know several of them are still friends close to him. And no one ever mentioned Ernie was going to be on the oh, show. Wow. So, okay. you know, I, I feel like if he had been anywhere close to actually being on the show, somebody would have told me. But I can't confirm that either way. But, you know, by that point, by 95, 96, you know, 94, I guess, is when they would have been cast in it. He was already such a big name and so established and doing so many projects. He might not have been available. He might not have been willing to take the kind of pay grade they were offering, the right. kind of commitment they were offering, because it was it was an intense shooting schedule. They were there for like two or three months in Universal. Like they were on lockdown in, in Orlando. They shot at Universal Studios. They were doing 12 to 18 hour days filming. So it was uh, it was not a, uh, a cushy gig by any means. It was hard, hard work. And, uh, you know, the, the creator Norman told me that most of the people who told them no, it wasn't because they didn't get the concept. It mm -hmm. was because this timing didn't work out. They had other commitments or it just sounded like too much work for what they were going to get out of it. So oh, okay. it could have been either one of those things. So did you get to uh, chat with uh, Shannon Lee? Sadly, no. I corresponded with her via email after kind of provided my bona fides and she kind of checked into me, I guess. She said she would love to talk to me, but she was just so busy that my deadline came up and we could just never get a time together to speak. I'm still hopeful of getting to talk to her uh, maybe for our patreon or something like that but actually thank you for reminding me i actually have to send her a link to the book but she was lovely she said in a reddit ask me anything um years ago before i even thought of writing this book i asked this question when she did a reddit ask me anything for the bruce lee foundation mm -hmm. i asked about wmac masters and uh, she said it was a lovely experience she enjoyed it a lot so okay. um we got that if nothing else okay cool don't want to tell you to pick favorites but just talk about one or two of the interviews that maybe really stood out to you out of all the ones you got to do and and maybe a little bit yeah. about him. Well, talking to Norman Grossfeld, uh, who was the executive producer, kind of the lead creative of the show. He was kind of the one steering the ship as far as the storylines and the direction of the show. And, you know, the memorable kind of evil martial arts cult that came in in the second season and the big cliffhanger ending. That was, that was you know, he was the one kind of steering that ship. So when I got to talk to him about where the show was supposed to go, and he actually told me what their plans were for resolving the cliffhanger and what was going to happen next that that was kind of like a holy crap moment like wow. i got goosebumps i was getting goosebumps just thinking about it because he didn't have to tell me that you know it, right. it, he, he, he could have left me hanging and when i started the book that was kind of my goal i wanted to find out what was supposed to happen and then i did you know so norman just the sheer amount of stories he told me he didn't hold anything back he talked about the good the bad and the ugly so norman is out of all the the crew probably my the one that stands out most just because getting to find those secrets out, you know, right. um, as far as the cast, everybody was great. Carmichael Simon was really, really cool because we did a, a, like a, I think it was Facebook messenger or zoom. I don't remember what, but it was a video call, but he did share screen and we pulled up his fight with Larry Lamb from season two and we watched it together and wow. he kind of walked me through it like a, like a director's commentary almost. So that's cool. That was uh that was pretty wild for me. And, you know, 
style as not a martial artist. He's saying some stuff, and I'm just like scribbling notes, like look up what this word means. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> like, like, but but then he like slowed down and he paused it and he actually explained it to me. So it was like like one of those master classes. <laughs> no pun intended. Oh God, I didn't mean to do that. Um, I'm sitting I'm sitting there watching the show with the guy on the screen, and he's he's walking me through it, and it was just it was really really cool. And then honorable mention uh, to Eric Betts, who played Panther. Uh, he did not come back for season two because very early on in season two, he got injured. And he he went into gruesome, great detail about his injury that he did not necessarily need to share. But he wanted to make sure the whole story got told in the book. So uh, just for being willing to uh, go that extra mile, uh, Eric gets an honorable mention there as well. That's really cool. Yeah, Carmichael, such a nice guy. He's another one I met at the tournament. I, I watched him compete when he was a teenager. He was the one where I sent him a message. I might have told this during the interview, but I literally sent him a message, said, Hey, would you like to do my podcast? And it was like three hours later, we're recording the interview. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> he's like, like him. Yeah. He's like, How about now? I'm like, Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of good. Like yeah. Such a, such yeah, a, such a nice guy. Great. So, was there in any of the conversations you had, did anyone talk about uh, the possibility of this ever coming out on DVD and maybe having them record like some of that commentary? Well, unfortunately, it is not likely to come out on official release on DVD. When four kids went under, their assets were kind of divided and split up and sold off to various creditors. There were buyouts. And uh, it's kind of unclear who owns what. I think Hasbro owns some of the rights to the toys. No one knows who owns the rights to actually stream the show, the episodes that already aired. So, you know, I believe physical media would be tied up in that. No one I spoke to would be able to tell me Bandai, who originally made the toys, they don't have any record of the property at all. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So uh, it is not I would not be holding my breath for an official media release of the show unless something drastic happens. And, you know, there's some sort of reboot or some sort of continuation. And then maybe, you know, those rights could be kind of renegotiated or something but as things stand now youtube is going to be the only place to see it and i would think a reboot would almost be in the same situation depending who owns the rights a reboot might not happen either so well that i i can't say much um but i can say that there are people in a position to potentially do something like that with the capability to do something like that they want to do it. So I think that I I don't know much. I haven't been told much because I'm not in that world, but I've been led to believe that the trying to think of how to say this and that, and not, I I don't want to uh, promise things that won't be delivered on, but I also don't want to, you know, keep things from people. The question of who owns the rights to do a reboot is not necessarily a question or a continuation or whatever. I don't Mm want to, you know, have people glued to the word reboot. Apparently that is fairly settled. It's just a matter of finding the right format and finding the right partner to make that happen. And I, I believe that is where the parties are are currently looking. They're trying to find a home for it. They're trying to find, you know, it's an expensive show to make. It was right. an expensive show at the time. I can only assume it'd be more expensive now. So I, I, I think that's kind of where it's at. So I'd say a reboot or continuation. I wouldn't say you're likely to see it soon, but I also would say 
it's a lot more likely than it would have been just a few years ago, you know, because we're in the era of Cobra Kai is a big hit. Right. You know, Power Rangers is still going. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is, is having a renaissance right now. So, you know, uh, I think it's a lot more likely to happen now kind of binging in the binging era than it would have been, you know, maybe five, six years ago before Stranger Things and Cobra Kai and, and, and those kind of shows kind of dominated the market. Right. So now one question I wanted to ask you is, I know the, the season one and season two, were, were they kind of changed the focus of the show in season yep. two and changed. So were you more of a fan of season one or more of a fan of season two? You know, I don't really remember as a kid. I don't remember if I even was sophisticated enough to notice the kind of change. Right. You know, because I was seven or eight years old. As an adult, before I did the book, let me say this. As an adult, before I did the book, I think I liked season two more because I'm a writer, because I'm a storyteller, because I like the kind of more story driven focus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I liked the character depth. I liked the the mystery. I like I liked kind of those elements. Now having done the book and now having a better understanding and appreciation of martial arts in general, but more specifically the the work and effort it takes to make this particular show, I couldn't pick between the two. You know, I think that there are amazing episodes in season one and amazing episodes in season two, and there is a stinker or two in season one and a stinker or two in season two. So, you know, I think I think overall the show just has a wonderful arc to it that that it really exhibits a lot of a lot of growth in a number of ways. And I do love that the, that you can watch every episode on YouTube, which is so cool because I've gone back yes. and rewatched them. And, and I will put a link to that in the show notes for sure so people can go out. And if, I don't know, maybe some of my fans haven't watched it or not. Yo, shout out to WMAC Masters Archive. Yes. If you're listening to this person who runs WMAC Masters Archive, email WMACMastersBook at gmail.com so I can talk to you because I owe you a big old whopping thank you. And I have yes. no idea who you are. So if you're listening, Colorado. Hopefully they're listening. That'd be good. If not, maybe they'll start to, but that'd be, right. that'd be good. So how many total interviews did you do for the book? Oh, great question. Math is not my strong suit. I want to say probably right around 50. If wow. I might be, might even be slightly more than that. It was less than a hundred. Mm-hmm. It was well into the dozens though. It, it was probably in the 50 to, to 60 range. If okay. Yeah. Okay. And then from the day you had the idea till the day it actually got released, how much time? Oh, okay. Roughly, um, I mean, not, uh, not an exact, but roughly. Uh, about 14, 15 months. Well, that's, wow, that's impressive. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a pretty breakneck pace. Originally, I wanted to have it done by this October. I thought October would be good. It would mm-hmm. be out before the holidays, but not competing with the holidays. Um, I had my schedule for this is when we're going to get the chapters done by. This is when it'll go to editing. Then it'll go to layout. My lovely wife is a graphic designer, art director. So she did the physical layout. That's why the book looks so good. But we started doing edits with my wonderful editor, Jenny. And Jenny's like, well, you have this event the first weekend of August. You have to have books for that event, right? I'm like, no, no, no. We're just going to hand out business cards. People come back. She's like, no, no one's going to come back and buy it. You have to have books done. We need to get this done by then. So essentially... I lost three months of time for, and my wife basically put together the entire book in about five days. Um, I don't know how she did it working a full-time job. We have two young kids and she still managed to make an amazing looking book, which is not her forte. She's not a a book layout designer. She's, she's a graphic designer and art director for highlights for children's social media, Mm -hmm. not the actual magazine itself, but she came up with a ton of great concepts for, for things in the book. She, all the kids, 
key symbols that are like on the cover and inside the book. She pretty much manually rebuilt those from the art files we were given. They were from like scanned in copies from like the 90s, so like the original art files. So she wow. went in and recolored them pixel by pixel. And I'm just like, this is unreal how much she got done. She was working like her full day job and then seven or eight hours a night on the book. And it just it continues to boggle my mind what he accomplished or what she accomplished. So the August event, is that that is that the Capitol Classic where they're doing kind of like yes. a reunion? That's... Yes. Master Bam has put together a reunion. I've helped kind of with outreach and uh, social media and spreading the word about it. But uh, it'll be a kind of mini, mini cast reunion. Uh, seven or eight people, or I think six or seven are currently expected to be there. Master Bam will be there. Christine Bannon Rodriguez will be there. Her Perez will be there. Hakeem Alston will be there. He and Gwen will be there. Eric Betts should be there. He's been downgraded to a maybe, I think. And then okay. Isaac Florentine, I think, has been downgraded to a maybe because he's going to be doing a movie. So we're not sure whether or not he'll be uh, in the house or not, but he's hoping to be there. Okay. Very, very good. Now, are you going to try to hit other tournaments too to promote it or kind of what's what, what else is the plan for like promoting I, it? I would love to. The DC event's kind of a test of that. I've already, uh, you know, like you said earlier, I'm self-published and self-financed. So I don't have sponsors. I don't have anyone bankrolling this but myself and my lovely wife. So I I can't afford to lose my shirt on this. So it kind of depends how the DC trip goes. DC's drivable from Columbus, so we're doing that. But, you know, hotels are expensive. And, you know, it's kind of the tester. I'm planning on trying to do the Battle of Atlanta next year and trying to do an event with Sophia Crawford. who played chameleon she has a coffee shop outside of atlanta so i'm going to try to see if maybe some of the florida-based cast and crew would want to maybe meet up in atlanta and do a little mini event either at the battle of atlanta or at sophia's shop but um you know i know christine bannon rodriguez runs the ocean state grand nationals that seems like a no-brainer but it all kind of depends how this goes because if i end up going all the way out to dc and selling five books it's gonna be right hard to justify going back out on the road you know no that's un- that's understandable i mean that's you gotta <laughs> you gotta be able to take care of yourself too and everything and you don't want to don't want to go in the hole doing it so well if you if it, if it goes well and you end up at the diamond nationals one of these years you'll have to let me know i'll, I'll drive down meet you in Absolutely. person it'll be kind of fun because i i definitely want to get back there i haven't been to those in years but i want to go back so so just one more time so title of the book quest for the dragon star an oral history of wmac masters and that's and i'll put the links for the amazon on there and anything else you need me to but so gotta throw out some even though you're not a martial artist gotta throw out some of the regular questions i ask my guests and and hopefully you'll have answers for some of them but just curious are, are you a fan of mma and the ufc I was in like 2010 when okay. it was easy to follow. <laughs> Once they started adding, like they added in the 135 and 145 division, mm-hmm. and then they added in ladies MMA, which was awesome because those ladies were awesome. But yeah. when they started doing one or two cards every week, yeah. I just couldn't follow it anymore. Like, I don't know who's who. So you know, all the people I love to watch, like Anderson Silva or George St. Pierre, or, you know, uh, who was the guy? Who was the real? I love the jujitsu guys. I love the submission yep. guys. Damian Maya, was that the guy? Okay, yep, yep. He was one. Yep. I, yeah, I, I love the submission guys. Um, 
But once all those guys kind of faded to the background and retired, I'm like, I don't I don't have enough time to invest in this anymore. I got I got things to do. So I, I can't watch three hours of this a week, every week, you know, for 40 bucks a pop. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of the same. I, I used to never miss one. And yeah, like you said, they're like weekly events now. And it used to be I mean, when it first came out, when I was, you know, in my 20s, it was one or two a year. <laughs> Yeah. And even when it was one a month, it was manageable. But yeah, when it got to be yeah. a weekly or more, I'm like, ah, this is too. Plus, I was also judging MMA fights locally. So I was, you know, judge, uh, yeah. judging one or two a month, plus also trying to watch the UFC. And yeah, it just got to be too much. But yeah, still fun. But I, it's cool. That makes sense. So, so then have you ever, as an adult, thought about getting back into it? Uh, ha- having done this book, absolutely. I, I feel like it would be a really great thing to kind of get in shape and just kind of experienced as an adult, you know, having a two year old and a nine month old makes any sort of extracurricular activity yep. pretty difficult right now. But I'm hoping once they get a little bit older, you know, maybe it's even something we can do together, but absolutely. This book has definitely made me want to do that. Well, I'll tell you, if you do it, then you have to promise that to come back on the show after you get your black belt. And we'll talk about that. So, <laughs> so after I get my black belt, you said, yep. So as long as you're still doing the show 40 years from now, we're going to be great. We all, I'm not an athlete. I don't think it's uh, likely to happen, but it'll be fun to try. I am not an athlete either. I've been doing martial arts for 38 years. So. Oh, okay. All right. There, there's hope. There's hope. I don't know if I'll be doing there's it in 40. Hope. If you can do it within 30 years, you got a deal. I don't know if I can, if you, 40, right. you might not be doing it still. We'll see. <laughs> nice. So do you have, a, I don't know, do you, do you read other martial arts books? Do you have a favorite martial arts book other than the one you've written? I, I have not really gotten the chance. My reading time is non-existent right now between the writing and the kids. I do have a copy of uh, Be Water, nice. you know, the Bruce Lee book, yep. which I'm that is near the top of my to-be-read list. So okay. I'm looking forward to that immensely just because it's so kind of ubiquitously influential. Right. Um, but I have not really got the chance to read any others. Okay. How about a favorite martial arts video game? Ooh. Ooh, hmm. Were you ever a gamer when you were younger? Did you? Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed video games. The the first thing that springs to mind is Mortal Kombat 2. Like oh, that's nice. I know that's not the best of the Mortal Kombat's by mm-hmm. any stretch of the imagination, but for me that was the one I had as a kid on the Super Nintendo, and I think it was my introduction to to Mortal Kombat. So you know, I, I, that's the first one that springs to mind for me. Reptile. Like yes. that is, it was just so cool. I remember at one of the diamond nationals, I met the guy who played sub zero in the movie. And I thought that was so cool. I have a picture of him somewhere. Uh, you know, Chris Casamassa played Scorpion. Yep. That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah I've met uh, Chris, Chris a handful of times. He's another one I'm trying to get on the show. So haven't he's, had, haven't had a response yet, but fingers crossed. <laughs> he was the first person to say yes to me for the book. I, oh, wow. I will say this. I was, I went back and listened, you know, when we were putting the book together, uh, to my early, to all the interviews again, just to make sure I didn't miss anything. And those first few interviews, I was so nervous. I was so <laughs> like, just kind of, um, um, you know, just like scared baby rabbit yep. interviewer guy. And Chris Casamassa was such just a laid back, easygoing. He treated me with so much respect and, and, and just, if he hadn't been so easy to interview and treated me as an equal, as opposed to just a fanboy who was asking him questions, you know, I don't think the book would have happened if he had big leagued me at all, wow. but he, he gave me so much confidence in that first interview by treating me as an equal and being interested in what I had to say and ask, like, I owe him a great, great deal of gratitude. And I hope you get him on the show because he's a great interview. Awesome. Yeah. I hope so too. I, I, I said, I know I met him in person, but it was 25 years ago when I met him. So sure. <laughs> definitely. All right. This one, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I have to ask the question, favorite martial arts TV show. <laughs> 
Uh, Power Rangers, obviously. No. Um, <laughs> team has their- End of interview. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Click. So if you don't say WMAC Masters, something is wrong. <laughs> no, it's, it's WMAC Masters. It's the beginning and the ending for me, man. Nice. And final question. How about a favorite martial arts movie? Um, hmm. So my nostalgic kid in me says it's got to be something like Surf Ninjas or Three Ninjas, you know, one of those. But I will say I recently watched for the first time because somebody let me know where I could stream it, uh, Shoot Fighter, which stars Michael Bernardo and has a bunch of the WMAC cast in it. Mm -hmm. That movie is a wild ride, man. (laughs) Like, I don't know what they were going for. I don't know how normal that is for the (laughs) genre, but I watched that like... I don't know if this is good or horrible, but I love it. And so, so I, I gotta say shoot fighter just for the sheer, like the craziness value, man. Yeah, it was different. That's for sure. And it's funny. You mentioned, I just rewatched surf ninjas about uh, five weeks ago. I, I finally found an online stream. I'm like, Oh, I'm watching this tonight. And, and I'm great. I mean, so, so good. good. It is. It is. And I, what's it's funny the is the best what, Rob Schneider ever was. Oh God. Yeah. What's funny is I I've met three of the, like three of the stars of that movie. Cause I met, Ernie Reyes Jr. and Sr. at the Diamond Nationals when they were promoting the sure. movie. And I actually randomly met Rob Schneider. I was at the, uh, when I lived in California for a year, I won tickets to a couple Hollywood premiere movies releases. And I got to yeah. go to the Hollywood premiere of the movie Mars Attacks. Not sure if you. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And got out of the movie theater at like two in the morning and we're walking down Hollywood Boulevard and this guy just slams into me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I turn around, I'm about to say, like, what the hell are you doing? And it's, and it's Rob Schneider. And I'm like, oh, hey, Rob Schneider. And he's drunk off his ass. <laughs> and he's wearing plaid pants, an orange shirt, a green tie, and a yellow jacket. <laughs> Classic Rob Schneider. Wow. And I'm That's- like, I know. And I'm like, dude, you're Rob Schneider. He's like, I am. And he stumbles away. So (laughs) didn't get to ask him about surf ninjas, obviously, but (laughs) it's just kind of, that's wild. Obviously meeting Ernie Reyes Jr. and senior was a little better. But yeah, yeah, kind of cool. But I, I, did, I, I got my uh, a friend of mine. He had never even heard of the movie Surf Ninjas, and he had him watch. Uh, he's like, he's like, seriously? I'm like, dude, just watch it. Trust me, trust me. You'll enjoy it. And and he did. He thought it was good. There's one that needs a reboot too, man. Or even not even a reboot, a sequel. A sequel? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd love to bring back Ernie Reyes and his dad, and even heck, yeah. even bring back Rob Schneider, and I mean, uh, do that, do a, do a sequel to it. That'd be kind of hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it would be pretty fun. Yeah, that could be your next book. <laughs> yeah. Hey. <laughs> there you go. Well, Chris, I, I want to thank you, man. This has been a lot of fun, and, and I'm definitely going to be uh, ordering the book. I'm, I'm excited for it, and I was a huge fan of the show, and I've, I've rewatched it since then, and, and I'm glad someone's doing this because if, if it ends up leading to a reboot or you know leading to whatever, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all on you, man, because you're, <laughs> you're kind of helping bring, it, bring the interest back and bring the hype back. So I, I truly, truly appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this has been wonderful, and uh, hopefully, uh, if I do get get uh, to give martial arts a try, we can do this again, and I'll have a little better understanding of uh, some of the actual techniques and stuff, <laughs> as opposed to yeah, then he kicked him. He did a spinny thing, you know. <laughs> hey, like I said, invitations there, man. If you if you get into it and and, and stick with it, we'll we'll do it, man. It'll be fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you'll join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.